Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. meine Damen und Herren. Welcome back to another German football podcast and plenty to talk about this week. But first, we'll see how the guys are getting on. Ronan, how's things, mate? You good? Yeah, not bad. How about yourself? Ah, getting on, getting on. Colin, how's things? Yeah, not bad. Very tired, but I'm good. Uh, have, you, have you all not recovered from last night's game of football, if you want to call it? It was absolutely mental last night. Um, Ronan, great result. For Bielefeld in the end, but maybe a slightly disappointed to chuck away a couple of, a two goal lead twice. Yeah, I suppose I don't think anyone saw that coming. I kind of thought Bayern would probably just steamroll them as they've done to quite a few teams this year. But Bielefeld to go there and score three goals, I don't think anyone could have said they saw that coming. Especially, I think we spoke a lot about how they've struggled for goals this season, and that could ultimately be their downfall. But to go there and score three certainly. Uh, you know, went against the, the cargo everyone's been saying. So it just shows how unpredictable things can still be. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Do you think the, the weather had anything to do with that, Colin, in the end? Or do you think it was just what we've said for a while is Bayern's having an off-season that they're playing too many games. They've just came back from Qatar. They've rested. I mean, they didn't really rest many players, but do you think it had to do with the weather? Or do you think it was just down to Bayern um, just not showing up? On the day, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think the weather was a bit of a leveler, especially the first half. Obviously, this the pitch was covered in snow in the first half, and that's when Bielefeld were probably at their strongest. I think they still played well in the second half, but you definitely saw that once the snow started clearing and the players were actually playing on grass, eh, Bayern's quality shone through a bit more. Yes, so there was that as a bit of a leveler, but also. It was probably the right time to play Bayern coming home from the Club World Cup. Uh, you know, players being out, like Muller testing positive for COVID, they're missing out on him, and then the likes of Kimmich on the bench. So with Bayern's missing players and the weather conditions, Bielefeld really used that to their advantage. Do you think that will be a, an important point coming into the, the season running for Bielefeld, or do you think that this result might not? help them in the end avoid either going down or being involved in the playoff? No, I think obviously it's an important point, especially given the circumstances where I'm going away to the Allianz to kind of close out the game, which is well Monday night when, when everyone else has already played. So that's definitely one point gain for them, um, in my opinion anyway, I'd say that. And I was quite impressed with uh, Vlap, the new signing from, from Anderlecht. Um, obviously, spoke about their goal scoring creativity, but him was another attacking midfielder. So maybe that takes a bit of pressure off Richard Doan, who's been kind of their the main focal point going forward. So now they have two people, you know, that are you know big threats to create those chances, and that will stand up in good stead for the second half of the season. Oh, I played well as well. Yeah, it was good to see him back. I think we mentioned him. Okay, he was a. Uh top player in his vital league last season. Uh, so it's good to see him make some kind of impact for them this year in the Bundesliga. Yeah, he had a, I think mentioned the group chat, had a really good assist for the second goal, I think it was. Was it 
third goal, third goal, I think it was. Yeah, the third goal. 4-3-1 uh, yeah. up, yeah, straight after Bayern had got the goal back. It was a brilliant ball across. So, yeah, similar to what Rowan said, more players. Like, I mean, Vogelsammer's like a new player now. After being injured most of the season, got flap as well. So, if they get more creativity, that could only be a good thing for them. I it's definitely, and just to be 2 0 up with the Allianz at, at half time, um, you must you, you, like being over Neuhaus, you must be thinking we've dropped you we dropped two points there, but it's not often that a team at the bottom is going to go to Allianz and do that, everyone. Um, do you think? We kind of the like we kind of mentioned there with Flap, but do you think the important players of kind of like Pipa and you know Vogelsammer coming in, you know, um, playing well, and that that was the the kind of essence of getting that result and going ahead so early on. Yeah, I think so. And having a wee to protect in the second half as well, because I think a lot of people thought even at two 0 down, Bayern were, were never out of it. And we saw just a month ago or so where Mainz were two 0 up at half time and Bayern came out and won five two. In the second half, I think a few people just still thought, you know, that might happen again, that Bayern will come out um second half and kind of still manage to steamroll them away. But that goal, is, I mean, Bayern brought it back to 2-1 at the perfect time, really, to kick on second half. But the goal that Bielefeld scored to go 3-1 up, just straight from kickoff, just, I think it really kind of set the tone that Bayern, basically, they'd done the hard work to get it to 2-1 and then they immediately just had to start again, so... I think that was a big turning point as well. It was a, such a, a well-taken goal on the counter-attack. Yeah, and we're, we're probably not going to talk much about the league specifically today, Colin, but that's it, the five points with Leipzig now. Is that it, it, we did see a couple of weeks ago the, the title's probably Bayern's now. But it's, five points isn't too far for Leipzig to come back in, is it? No, but I, I think you've seen previously that Leipzig are always always have a bit of tendency to drop points as well. I thought that uh, there were signs of complacency in their performance against Augsburg at the weekend as well on Friday. Um, only a narrow two one win for them. So I mean, as not the the gap's been narrowed slightly, but I would still trust Bayern, um, not to slip up enough that they could be caught and the gap would be overturned. So yeah, so. What happened during like the weekend was that there were seven draws and there was two wins, so it wasn't the the most. Well, to be honest, I, I don't know why I say it wasn't exciting because it was. It was a really good one, and it's not like when you see the zero zero draws in the, the Premier League between the big sides. You know, there was a couple of big scoring draws, and um, just quickly touch on a couple of teams. Schalke, important point uh, against Union, uh, Ronan, or do you think they're still like similar to Mobilefield question, or do you think that still? They probably needed the three points there. Possibly, but I think a turning point for them that they'll take away most is the clean sheet because I think they've conceded the most goals in the league by a long distance. And now with Kalasinac and Mustafi swatted in at the weekend, that's kind of you know, brought a new spine to their defence, really. And a clean sheet straight away is probably a good sign away at Union, who've been really strong this season. Um, obviously, things have dipped slightly as you know, kind of expected from them, but they're still in a, a really good place. You know, teams still go to them expecting, you know, a, a difficult game against Union. So, to Schalke, to, to go there and get a clean sheet, if you offered them before the game, they'd have probably took it. But with, especially on a Saturday, where, you know, and the Beale of Health have to go to Bayern, they're probably not going to pick up anything, but obviously they did. So, I mean, 
I think a point that clean sheet's not a bad result. It you know gives them something to build on. I think they're improving, but they're still a long way to go. Yeah, and um, Colin, the two teams that won Leipzig, you know, they I think they had a very strong first half, but the second half I was very impressed by Augsburg coming back into it, and Augsburg looked hungrier to go on uh, to finish the game off. But unfortunately, you know, um, Leipzig um, managed to hold on to what they they'd already did in the first half. Uh, and then Frankfurt, probably one of the best performances I've seen from a team this season was Frankfurt's um, against Köln. One that, as a Köln fan, I was slightly not confident, but I was thinking this could be the game that the Frankfurt could slip up in just after nine games without losing. You know, you, you expect teams to slip up at some point, but that was a very, very controlling and very promising performance once again from uh, Adi Hüttersmann. Yeah, they took a while to get a goal. It was goalless for quite a while, but another. But it never really seemed in doubt. I think Köln didn't really offer much in the way of attacking threat, I don't think. Uh, so despite Frankfurt maybe not taking their chances in the early period of the game, the, the result never really seemed in doubt. And then obviously the man again, Andre Silva, managed to get a goal. So third place now, they're, they've built so much momentum that Yes, you, you'd start you start thinking that if they had this earlier on in the season, then they could have been a title challenger potentially. They're certainly offering more in the way of that than a side like Borussia Dortmund. So it makes you wonder what could have been if. I mean, if you think if Jovic had been there at the start of the season and fit, then who knows what could have happened? Exactly, and they're only ten I think points. The big difference for them as well has been Kostic getting back to his best because obviously he was out the side for a while. He was. You know, injured and took a while to get him back up to full speed. But now he is like you're seeing the best from him as well. And already he's put in the most crosses in the Bundesliga by quite a distance. Like him, he's at the top, and then Angelino's behind him. But he's quite a distance ahead at the top, which like says a lot for how many games he's missed. So for him to be putting the crosses in when he's given someone like Andre Silva that kind of service, that's probably a main reason as to why they're doing so well. And even if Silva was to go off the boil, the fact they have Jovic sitting there waiting, ready to go with Kostic, you know, providing the chances for someone like him as well can only be a good thing. That's probably why they've been so good lately, I think. Oh, definitely. And they've just, they just, it was just memorising to watch. Honestly, it was fantastic, like, watching that game. They just, like like Colin said, it took a while to get that goal, but their play up to the goal, I thought Timo Horn had a really good game and goal because he had to have a good game and goal or the scoreline could have been a lot bigger than it was. They just steamrolled uh, through the Kiln defence and what looked like in the first 10 minutes was promising for Kiln. They just, Frankfurt turned around and they are they are 100% the form team at the moment and probably the team that you don't want to be coming up against. But we'll, we'll move on from last week's uh, Bundesliga um, match day and um, we'll talk about, mainly the podcast could be about the, the Europe preview, although we know that by the time this goes out that, Leipzig game would already have went through and the Dortmund game will be being played. Um, but the biggest news that came through, manager that's got something in common with you, Ronan, uh, Mark Rosa has going to leave Gladbach at the end of the season and will join Dortmund. Do you know what I mean by uh, got something in common with you? What's that? Like, both of you started your managerial career at Lokomotiv Leipzig. Just, just point that out. Oh, of course, yeah. You, you yeah, I'm still going that. strong with that save on football manager. I've just qualified for the Champions League, actually. And I'm in like 2029 or something now. Oh, and well, my management career is going well at the moment as well. And 
the fantasy Bundesliga fantasy this weekend. I finished forty eighth in the world, so oh, well done. That as a positive as well. Might you get my CD in that. for the Dortmund job now, or sorry, for the Gladbach job now that Rose is leaving. <laughs> exactly. Mate. You just wanted to jump that in that you're uh, that there in the world, but that's not too bad. But he didn't have a long spell at um, Leipzig locomotive um, as you did. He was only there for the one year before he ended up at Salzburg which then led to Gladbach, and which is now going to leave to Dortmund. So, Colin, you can get the first part of it. Man, it was a shock by this. I think so everyone knew this was going to happen. It's just about... T- you think they took too long to announce it? Like, just they just dragged it out and dragged it out? Uh, yeah, well, you never really knew. I mean, it was never 100% what Rose's decision would be, because I think it was a genuine choice for him to make. I mean, neither side have had a particularly good season in the league, but particularly Borussia Dortmund have been lower than expectations. It's fighting for Champions League, but currently well off the pace for that. So I think there really was a genuine decision for him to make, whether Dortmund would be a, a suitable step up for him to make in his career. I think it's definitely a bigger club for him, but the prospects for Dortmund, I mean, financially, that. There, so there's always been there's been reports that they're, they've lost quite a lot of money during the pandemic, and if they if they miss out in Champions League, they'll maybe have to sell a few of their players. So the prospects aren't 100% positive for them at the moment. So that's what make it makes it slightly strange that Rose has decided to go there. But uh, I suppose with the the reports the last few months, it's not totally surprising, and I think he'd started losing a bit of popularity with Gladbach fans as well, particularly after the Derby result. He's uh, been rotating his side quite a lot and started the Derby with quite a few players on the bench in the previous game. I think he'd made seven changes from the Pokal match in midweek prior to the Köln match. So when the, when the Derby's such a, a big game, fans weren't particularly pleased about that. And with, with the reports of uh, Lincoln with Dortmund, uh, that really added to that and now it's been confirmed so I, I can't imagine it's going to be uh, very can't imagine his popularity is going to be very high uh, towards the end of the season I think it would just be glad that there's no fans in the stadium to be honest for the, the rest of the season uh, but Ronan what do you think if Dortmund don't qualify for the Champions League he's basically going to be going in at the lowest he can for a Dortmund side because he's going to go in, they're not in the Champions League, they're probably going to, like Colin said, lose a couple of players. Is he the man who can make the best out of that situation? Because if you gave him the Dor- a Dortmund side that's in the Champions League with those players, because we don't know who, who could leave, but with those, like that capacity of players, he can do something special with that team. Do you think he's got the ability to turn this team? Because he technically did it with Gladbach. Gladbach, he, he, he's brought them back to being, you know, um, Champions, well, how well they've done the Champions League, you know, how he's turned that team around. Do you think he's capable of bringing a team that could be their lowest point for a long time and bringing them back up to where they would want to, where, where they want to be in the Bundesliga? I think so, yeah. I think he'd be quite a suitable candidate for kind of both ends of the spectrum. If Dortmund were at their peak and say, for example, their managers left to go somewhere else, 
and he was to step in with him, you know, competing towards the top, I think he'd be the top appointment, whereas it looks like next season it could potentially even be a sort of rebuild job, depending on how the rest of the season goes. But I think whatever the scenario was, I think he was the, the leading candidate either way. Um, but one thing that I find interesting is how the rest of the season will pan out for Gladbach, because is his mind going to be elsewhere focusing on next season with Dortmund when Gladbach, there's a lot of motivation to still achieve a lot in the rest of the season at Gladbach because there's still a lot to compete for. Obviously, Europe, which we're talking about today, and then, you know, the Champions League places. Um, they're still in the Pokal as well. There's, you know, there's a lot to fight for at Gladbach in the remainder of the season. So I wonder how much motivation there will be towards that and looking ahead to next season. Because mm -hmm. what will happen if, you know, it comes between Gladbach and Dortmund fighting for that final Champions League spot, where does his loyalties lie then? It's, oh. it's a strange one. That, that's a good thought, actually, because if Dortmund finished in that Champions League spot ahead of Gladbach, he might be able to keep Haaland, he might be able to keep Sancho. Gladbach finish above them, he leaves he leaves Gladbach on a high, but he hinders a bit of the future of like Dortmund. So that's an interesting one, actually, to think about. I'm interested to see how he does that, but he you can't fault he's won championships already. You know, he's he's won the two Österreichs uh, in Bundesliga. Uh, the Austrian Bundesliga with um, Salzburg. Not that maybe that's the hardest thing to do with what Salzburg are doing in Austria at the moment. But at the same time, he still has two championships to his name, Colin. I mean, that's got to give him some kind of pedigree that he can be in charge of what should be technically the second biggest team in this country. Yeah, I think a criticism that was always levelled at Lucien Favre was his lack of trophy success. Like, I don't think... Favre had won anything since his days in Switzerland, whilst Rosa really has had uh, has had that success relatively recently in Austria. So I think that's definitely advantage of that. And we've talked previously on our Leipzig episode of how strong a lot of the coaches that come through the Red Bull system are. I think they're all highly sought, sought after. Uh, J Jesse Marsh seems to be the most up-and-coming one just now. But you could you definitely you could definitely include Rosa in that category, an up and coming young coach. And I think yeah, I think it's a, a really good really good thing for a Dortmund to get someone off that sort of conveyor belt of coaches, um, and hopefully someone that can take them on to the next level. It really it wasn't thought that Fabra could. Well, you mentioned Jesse March there. Um Ronan, do you think that for Gladbach, Jesse Marsh would be the perfect replacement? Or do you think it's just going to be the same thing in a couple of years' time that a big team is going to struggle for a season and they're going to come and steal Jesse Marsh straight off them and they have to start over again? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that kind of conveyor belt from you know Salzburg to a kind of European contender in the Bundesliga, another appointment like that happens, it wouldn't surprise me at all how how well they've been doing, the style of football they play and young players that come through, they kind of fit the mould for a lot of ways that the Bundesliga clubs want to operate. So it wouldn't surprise me if Jesse Marsh possibly steps up to the Gladbach job in the future. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting one because he's very well thought of and you've seen a couple of videos of him in the changing room and stuff like that from Salzburg and he seems to be a can't coach them motivate players, so maybe you'll be able to get the best type of players like Turam and player, you know, who seem like players who need that bit of a, a, a motivational coach. Uh, which Marco Rosa, probably, I, you can imagine he is as well. But Jesse Mark seems like that 
Sorry, kicked something. Um, yeah, Jesse Mar seems like he could come in and do that. Do you think that'll be the best route for them, um, Colin, to look at Jesse Marsh coming in for them? Yeah, I think uh, they'll probably have competition for him. Is he has uh, he does seem to be highly sought after, but yeah, I can't really see. Glad I think Gladbach should probably be aiming above the the sort of journeyman coaches that you see in the Bundesliga. I mean, they've had like Dieter Hecken in the past, but I think. Rosa was a step above that, and they should be aiming for someone like him in the future, maybe one of the up-and-coming coaches in, in a smaller league. I think uh, a lot of the most successful appointments recently have come from Australian football. Rosa himself, but then there's also the likes of Oliver Glasner at um, Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm. It does really seem to be a, a good league for coaches to come and really um, make, make, themselves, make a name for themselves, and then uh, there really does seem to be that pro- that uh, progression route to the Bundesliga um, to to take them to that next level. So, yeah, I, I think he would be a good one for them to go for. Yeah, Adi Hütter's another name to add to that list. Um, I know he had a first yeah. with young boys Bern in between uh, Salzburg and going to Frankfurt, but another very promising uh, manager in the Bundesliga. So, for, for all the... Farmers League comments that Bundesliga gets, Ronan, it's a league full of very, very good managers, uh, very good coaches um, that suit the style of the German game and it worked well for them and they're very liked over here as well. You kind of realise from the fans that there's a better bond between the managers and the the fans. Yeah, I think there is. And I think the way the managers want to play football in Germany probably has a lot to do with that with their kind of attacking styles and promoting youth throughout within and having, I don't know, I suppose that kind of culture around it is is quite important. But with the names that we've mentioned there, there's possibly still a lot could change between now and the summer. So I wonder if Gladbach will act now or if they'll hold off until the end of the season or if, if possibly managers would want to agree to join now or if they'd want to see where Gladbach finish at the end of the season. So I think a lot could still change between now and then. Yeah, so Marco Rosa looks like he's set to go to Dortmund at the end of the season after leaving, saying he's going to leave Gladbach at the end of the season. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see come the the summer and um, what happens with Dortmund. I think all just to, like we've all kind of said, it all depends on where both teams finish to see how far they go for next season. So big thing for this week, um, European football is back bit controversially back I think a lot of people are thinking with the pandemic going on that the worst thing is that European football's happening and all just before we get into the the ties I mean Ronan I mean there's some games in Budapest there's some games in Italy they're not meant to be in Italy there's like in Budapest and Hungary you know there's games that shouldn't be in those countries and you're transporting all these players to these countries and you saw what happened with uh, Müller going to Qatar is it pointless Having Champions League on at the moment in Europa League? Possibly, but money talks, isn't it? It's the money yeah. involved that probably is the deciding factor. So it probably all comes down that to really ahead of common sense, I think, <laughs> at this moment in time. Where you see people see that as a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But okay. that's probably how football, top end of spectrum like that works, I suppose. Yeah. I know it's a shame, but we'll persevere and we'll talk about it since it's on. So we may as well talk about the game that's on tonight first because you'll already know the result. But RB Leipzig against Liverpool, 
Nagelsmann against Klopp. What are we thinking, Ronan? You can jump us off with that one. Um, who do you think is going to come out this tie? And do you think Liverpool's league form is going to hamper them in the Champions League? Or do you think that gives them an extra incentive to play better in the Champions League because Klopp has written them off for the league already? So do you think that they might focus all everything on um, going for Champions League this year? Yeah, so there's been quite a lot of talk kind of off the pitch about Klopp with his personal circumstances. I think there's rumours at the weekend that he might quit. But obviously he's came out and said that's not the case. But mm. and obviously they've had a dip in league form and Man City look to be kind of running away with it. But this is probably the tie I was possibly looking forward to the most because it's two teams who play exciting football, although a lot of people don't like Leipzig just because of who they are, obviously. But in the way two teams play... In a stale match behind closed doors, they're two of the most exciting you can possibly get in, under those circumstances. But I think Leipzig have a lot to offer. Possibly Nagelsmann has a point to prove against his fellow countryman Klopp as well. But I can see, well, obviously everyone will know there's up by now, but I see both teams to score and Leipzig to win as well, so I think. Yeah, it was a great three-all draw yesterday, wasn't it, for um, Leipzig? <laughs> you can imagine something like that happening. Um Collins, you can echo Rodin's thoughts in the game. Um, it's it looks like it looks like it's got a really really good fixture for the reasons that Ronan said. You know, it's going to be two coaches who are very well thought of, two coaches that play nice football, two teams that play well. And what are you thinking? Mm, well, a Red Bull team playing in a Red Bull team playing in Budapest. Uh, Nowhere near their, their own ground. Uh, it's probably what, if you look at it that way, it's probably one of the most unappealing European games, thing. But in terms of a football sense, it probably, yeah, it probably would be quite entertaining. Um, it would be like that. Of course. Of course, you would have that attitude. Me and Ronnie are very excited about this game, and you just bring out the Red Bull stuff. Just hate it. No tolerance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Not we'll, in the game, we'll talk, but what are you thinking? We'll What's your thoughts? I'll put that to one side uh, yeah in terms of football I think it probably does look like one of the best ties of the round uh, two sides that play attacking football and you probably normally in recent years make Liverpool the favourite but the recent league form maybe levels out a bit and I think a lot of people would actually tip the lights to go through which is a good, a good chance I mean Liverpool lost the last three league games consecutively only six on the table no real chance of the, the title but as you said that might actually be an advantage because they can sort of shut that out and make Champions League their main focus uh, so I think yeah that gives Leipzig a chance but it maybe puts a bit more pressure on them because usually we consider the underdog in these situations but I think there's heightened expectations now under Nagelsmann particularly at, uh, reaching the, the semi-finals last season. So I think it'll be an interesting one. Um, so interesting that we're going to miss it, but <laughs> oh well. No. Like just even looking at the lineup quickly, you know, Kabak playing against um, Leipzig, you know, he's, he's, he's been relatively used to playing against this team. There's no recognised striker for Leipzig tonight, so I don't know what you make of that. Um, Ronan... Be an interesting one with a very attacking looking um, Liverpool side. Yeah, I think I see. Even though Leipzig have so many attacking midfielders and wingers that 
they can possibly afford to play without a recognised number nine. You know, they can get away with it because the other players going forward complement each other so well. So I don't think it'll impact them negatively in any way, really. If you had to, if you had to give a prediction of who's going to go through over the two legs, Ronan, who are you going for? Leipzig just because of Liverpool's current form in the league but if anyone can you know pull something like a massive result against the odds where they just come out and demolish a team if it's anyone in world football it could possibly be Liverpool that does that so I wouldn't rule them out but I'd go Leipzig Well Yeah I'd, I'd probably agree with that I mean I think it will be close uh, I wouldn't totally rule out Liverpool despite their current form but I think Leipzig will go through. I'll say on away goals. Yeah, I, I think can it... see a, maybe a 1-1 tonight and a 2 each at um, the away leg. The away leg? I don't, do we know where that's been played? <laughs> <laughs> it won't be Anfield. I think that is Liverpool. Is that Liverpool? A, you never know. Probably. Right. But I think that Norway or something. depend on the game tonight, definitely. I think it's going to be one of those games. Um, like the home leg might be really important for Leipzig to see if they can shut them out. Um, okay, um, so the next game on the list, um, so Dortmund will travel to Sevilla on Wednesday. This is not a game that I think Dortmund went up against just now, Ronan. I think I, I counted up earlier and Sevilla are unbeaten in about 13 games. So Yeah, just looking at their form just now, their run of clean sheets... I think they have six consecutive wins and clean sheets in a row. So, I mean, they're coming to the match, can't be doing much better than that, really. So, it's I'm another worried. big no. ask for Dortmund. But I think their young players will want to thrive on an occasion like this because they've obviously had their question marks around them as a squad this season, but they have the players to step up. And this is where they all want, want to play. So, this is their opportunity to prove it. Uh, what were you going? You, you worried about Dortmund? I think that this could be one of this could be the one of the the one they write off Sevilla, but I think one of the bigger big teams in the competition going out um, by Sevilla. I think Sevilla will put out Dortmund uh, just on the result. But um, what's your thoughts? Sevilla impress you this season so far, just by looking at the results? Yeah, looking at the results, uh, fourth in La Liga, so well on track for qualifying for Champions League again, unlike Dortmund themselves. Mm. Uh, and looking at Dortmund at the weekends, I mean, it made for an entertaining game against Hoffenheim, but both sides were so bad defensively. Like Dortmund were pretty calamitous um, at the back. And you'd imagine that, I mean, Hoffenheim have a decent attack, but Sevilla with an even stronger attack would be able to exploit that. So you would do worry for Dortmund a wee bit. Get a few uh, good attacking players Sevilla, um, but when when one that actually stood out to me was uh, Luke de Jong used to play for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Never had a particularly successful time of it in Germany, but he actually seems to be doing quite well with Sevilla uh, later on in his career. So maybe he'll manage to get a goal. Uh, so it's a tricky one. It's a bit similar to it's a bit similar to the previous game we talked about, Leipzig and Liverpool. Um, where you traditionally consider maybe Dortmund and Liverpool the favourites, but because of their recent league form, there's a cast of a, of a doubt over that. So that there does certainly seem to be a, a danger that Sevilla uh, could 
overcome Dortmund, but I think it will be another close one and quite an entertaining game. Yeah, I mean, Ronan, Sevilla's European record speaks for itself. You know, six times Europa League winners. They must that must be the record for the Europa League as well. They're a, they're a very established European side, whereas Dortmund just now are just on the brink. Do you think that after you know winning it last year, um, do you think Sevilla have got more motivation to go and try and proceed in this tournament more than Dortmund are, where they try to pick up the scraps in the league? Possibly, I think Dortmund. I don't know where though, where their priorities lie if they want to continue in this Champions League or focus on, you know, qualifying in the next one and building on it under new management. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that as well. And I think as well, Spanish sides obviously traditionally defend really resolutely, as said before, six queen sheets in a row. So Dortmund, you know, it's going forward where their main threat lies. So coming up against a Spanish side who will be, you know, difficult to break down, well organised. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out against each other, really, those two kind of contrasting styles. What are we thinking? Sevilla or Dortmund? Ronan? Sevilla. Alan? I'm going to be optimistic. I'll go, I'll go with Dortmund. Oh. I, think they'll, I think they'll lose their away leg, but I, I'll, I'll go for them to... I'll go for them to go through it. I just think that Sevilla have got too much just now uh, in ways of form that they'll probably go ahead. But an interesting one. Um, so yeah, Bayern are travelling to Rome. They'll be playing Lazio. What's your thoughts ahead of this? Um, Colin, you can go first. Just disrupt the, the order of the podcast. Um, don't want to put you off guard. But um, Lazio sitting currently 7th in Serie A. You know, where Milan, the Milan teams are being really strong this year. Um they're just off the back of being beaten by Inter Milan as well. So, what's your thoughts ahead of that? Yeah, I mean, you'd think you'd consider Bayern the favourites, definitely. Uh, I think Bayern have looked really vulnerable in the league. You only saw that last night against Armenia, but Champions League, they have looked really strong. Atletico Madrid uh, were in their group and they really dealt with them with no real problems. Uh, but Lazio, I think, will be a dangerous side. Dortmund found that out in uh, the first group stage game. Uh, Lazio managed to beat Dortmund. Mm. There's always the danger of Chiro Immobile. Uh, and I think he'll, he could potentially exploit the higher Bayern line, vulnerable defence at times. Uh, so, why would the... I mean, the league position isn't particularly impressive down in seventh, but... Uh, I think, yeah, they've shown themselves to be a danger in the Champions League so far, and they proved that against Dortmund and other German side so far. I, th- I think Bayern, I think Bayern will manage it, but it certainly won't be easy. Yeah, Ronan Lazio. I mean, the, you get players like Luis Alberto. You know, th- these players could totally penetrate that back line. What Colin was saying there, that has proven to. To slack it off in games, you know, looking back all the way back to the Hoffenheim defeat. Um, these games where the back line's penetrated so easily, it's getting in behind so easily. Players like Luis Alberto, players like Immobile, um, like Savage actually starting that attack, that could be really dangerous uh, for Bayern. Yeah, it could, but 
to be honest, I'm not that worried about Bayern. I think their European record speaks for itself how strong and consistent they've been. Obviously, after winning it last year, they've kicked on from there, basically. And I think for, for how good Bayern have been across all competitions over the last probably 18 months, that even results like Monday night doesn't really hinder them in any way, really, because they have such a gap at the top that they can afford to drop the odd points here or there. And it gives them the, the motivation to get back on track when, when, they most, when they need it most. Obviously, dropping points on Monday will give them motivation to bounce back from that and then kick on in Europe. So, for me, I think Bayern will be fine with this time. When the draw came out, they would probably fancy their chances against Lazio. Yeah, do you think that's that's kind of the thing, Colin? That Bayern, I mean, I think it's over twenty games now that I'm beaten uh, in the Champions League. You can't really complain with that record and the squad that they've got. You know, they rested Kimmich um, for most of the game on Monday before they had to bring him on, which I'm I'm sure Hansi Flick probably wished they didn't have to bring him on. Uh, I don't know if Thomas Müller will be available by then. Uh, if that's been two weeks since he's. Um, contracted the virus or if it's less than two weeks I'm not entirely sure uh, but they have they have a squad Bayern that they can rotate and to rotate in a league and Champions League I think that will probably be vital for them and probably prove a bit too strong for Lazio in the end Yeah when you consider that it will be over two legs uh, so even if Lazio do manage to give them a bit of a scare and get a result then you know in the home leg Perhaps uh, you'd imagine Bayern would have enough going back to the Alliance and uh, managing to turn them over for that. Uh, so, yeah, I think they'll have enough. And as you say, they've, they've got players to come in. Like, I mean, we've got Thomas Muller out, but they, they have young players like Musiala that can come in and uh, they're well capable of turning that performance. So, yeah, I think I'd agree with Ronan that I think in the end they'll manage to get it through. Uh um so what we're saying Bayern for Bayern for everyone then. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Last game, um mentioned Gladbach against Man City. That'll also be the following week. Um Gladbach will have a game in between that, but it's gonna be the the first big test because they're gonna play Mainz at the weekend. Do you think this will be the first big test since uh Marco Rosa? has decided to end his contract, do you think this could have a, a dampening effect on the Champions League game against Man City, Ronan? Possibly, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they react, but I don't know how much a part of the play in it because Man City have just been so good lately. Kevin De Bruyne was back in training tonight, so he'll probably feature in the game after being out for a long time. Youngsters like Phil Foden I think have been quite impressive for them, so I think they possibly could struggle in this tie, but they've got out a group against Inter and Real Madrid, so you can't really write them off. But I think Man City might just have too much for them. Yeah, players like Gundogan, former Dortmund player, scoring at the weekend, you know, they, they played really well against um, Tottenham. Um, do you think that the fact that they're flying in the league, they're so far away? Well, they're not so far away, but they're far away from many teams, especially Liverpool, who they were meant to be the closest challengers. Uh, do you think that they will be too strong, Colin, come next Wednesday? Yeah. 
quite worried for Gladbach in this one. Like, I think they'd probably take a narrow defeat in it. I'm quite worried that they'll get a bit of a heavy defeat. But I suppose one thing you could say is their their strongest performances this season have been against big sides. Like they managed to beat Bayern, they managed to beat Dortmund, and then they turned in good performances against Real Madrid and Inter. So you could look at it that way as a positive. They're playing a form team such as Man City, but yeah, you can definitely see them being strong. Glad you mentioned Gundogan. I think he's been really, uh, really impressive this season. Justifiably, uh, the best player in the Man City team probably this season. I think so. With it, with Man City's momentum from the league form, you could. There's a case for them being the, this probably one of the worst teams they could have drawn, if not the worst team at the moment. So, and I, I, I'm a bit worried for them. Very slim hopes, but I think it is an achievement just to get to this stage in the first place. Particularly as they, I mean, they were in that group of death with Real Madrid, Inter Milan, and, and Shakhtar, who are a strong side as well. They managed to beat in both both games, so they'll take this. Uh, they'll take they'll take uh, they'll take knockout stages as an achievement in itself. But I think this will probably be one stage a bit too far for them. I I don't want to talk like they're already out, Ronan, but. I mean, they could probably be quite proud of themselves for what they've achieved in the Champions League this season so far. And if they go out to Man City, it's not like they're going out to a bad team. They're going out to one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. Yeah, true. I think that's fair. But maybe Rosa will see next season with Dortmund if they're going to be in the Champions League and they want to, you know, make the most of of this campaign to prove that next season, you know, you can do it in those ties where they're going to be up against it. So. Obviously, the motivation's obviously going to be there. They're going to want to want to get through, but yeah, it's a, possibly one of the toughest fixtures that they could have got. What are we thinking, guys? Gladbach to to sneak something, or Man City to power through over both ties? Yeah, fancy Gladbach to do something in so one of the ties, but over the course of two legs, probably Man City. Fair enough, Colin. Yeah, I'd fancy Man City to win both ties uh, quite comfortably, unfortunately. There we go. So that's the, the Champions League sides um, all wrapped up there. We'll look at the Europa League sides now. Hoffenheim probably... If you're a Hoffenheim fan, would you want European football as a distraction? Or would you rather that you would be focusing on the the, the Bundesliga just now running? I think this will probably be a possibly a welcome distraction for them. Obviously, they've not been as strong as they were last year. Um, but they've started to... I mean, they got back-to-back wins before, but, I mean, they're now three matches without a win. Um, obviously, they played Bayern, Frankfurt and Dortmund within those last three games. But possibly this is a welcome distraction from the league because it looks like European football next season for them is probably going to be a bit of a stretch. So making the most of this campaign. I think I think they'll probably finish mid-table, so why not put all your eggs in the European basket and go as far as you can? Colin, what are you thinking about that? Hoffenheim, they will be travelling to Mulder. No, they will not. They'll be going to Villarreal. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, Hoffenheim, they will not be travelling to Mulder. They'll be heading to... I'm assuming it's sunny. 
uh, Villarreal uh, Stadium um, to play Mulder um, on Thursday. What's your thoughts ahead of that? Mulder, obviously, their season's now finished. They finished second, you know, so they've not won the league this, um, for last season. Uh, but what's your thoughts ahead of that? Do you think Mulder could be a post to be reckoned with? Um, because they seem to be always there in Europe. I don't want to give them a bad name by saying that. The way I said that, that sounded quite bad. But they are, they're always there or thereabouts, which is the better way of um, saying that. I'm not particularly clued up in Norwegian football. Really? But, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed. I thought you'd be a big uh, Sporg fan. Yeah, so they're in, they're, yeah, they're, in their, they're in the close season. So, I mean, you'd, you'd have to assume by that that they're maybe not the sharpest. Uh, or maybe that'll be an advantage for, for Moda. Um, Toffenheim have had the games that come thick and fast for them recently, particularly not having a winter break. So that might be an advantage or a hindrance for Moda. Um, yeah, uh, Hoffenheim have been really strong in Europe. That's one thing you can say about them, not being so impressive in the league, but they have shown signs of improvement recently. Probably enough, as Ronan was saying, that they'll probably be mid-table. Uh, not totally clear of relegation trouble, but you've probably seen enough from them recently that they'd, they'd be able to be relatively comfortable. So I, I think they probably can turn a bit of focus to Europe. And um, with the, the form they show in the group stage, they, they could manage to le- reach one of the later stages. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think this is probably a, quite a good tie for them. Do you think, I, do you think this will be a... We said about welcome distraction for the club, but do you think it'll be the same for Hunus? Do you think that if not like they've won the last two games, which is I mean they just they're just off the back of Dortmund. Um, they're not in the best run of form this season. They've never really kicked on after especially after beating Bayern. But do you think for Hunus this could be something that keeps them in the job longer than what you think it might be if he doesn't get up his game for especially next season running? Yeah, I think so anyway. I think just where obviously they've been quite inconsistent in the league, maybe they've kind of went through peaks where they look at their best and then go through a winless run. Um, but I think they recruited reasonably well in January. I think their team's stronger, stronger now. I think Chris Richards was impressed when watched him the other week um, against Frankfurt. I thought Frankfurt were really good, but from a Hoffenheim perspective, I think Richards defended well. Um, so he's someone who's obviously got a point to prove to kind of break into the Bayern squad as well and I think European football for Hoffenheim this season um, I think they'll fancy their chances in this tie to go through especially with how strong they were in the group stage as well so I, th- I think they'll, they'll make it through to the next stage Does this fun stat that I've just found out have any bearing on this game? Last time Mulder played a German opposition in Europe it was Stuttgart in 2012-13 season and they beat them on both both legs. Does that mean Hoffenheim is going to lose now? Colin, take that one. I mean, probably not, because that was eight years ago and they have a completely new team. Yeah. Fair, point, so fair point. That probably answers that probably answers the question. It does. It really does. Maybe, Thank you. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, same area of the country in Germany. Maybe that'll give them confidence that they can they can beat German teams in the south. What? They've Probably only not. progressed past the knockouts through the knockout stages once uh, out of the 10 times that they've actually made it out of the group stage. So for me, Hoffenheim are probably coming out, going to come out on top in this one. I think they'll win both legs. What about you guys? 
Yeah, I would agree. Alan, you yeah, go Yeah, we say we are Norwegian knowledge. We say that with our Norwegian knowledge. Um, with the with the confidence that Molda will take from that Stuttgart win of 2013, you never know. But uh, I think Hoffenheim have shown themselves really capable in the Europa League. And as you say, I think it probably has given Furness a bit of um, a bit of time on the job, particularly with results in the league, such as the the Schalke loss for now. So I think it has been a, a welcome distraction for them, and I, I think they managed to continue that. With a, yeah, I can see I can see both wins. Both legs resulting in a Hoffenheim win. Um, so we jump to Switzerland. Young boys Bern against Leverkusen. You know, Leverkusen started off the year not so greatly, but they've started to come back into um, running a couple of good results recently. What's your thoughts ahead of them? Do you think young boys could be a bit of a distraction for them to kind of give them a good game? Or do you think, I, I mean, personally, I think Leverkusen have got what it takes to go at least to the semi final stage this season. But do you think um, young boys could prove an obstacle in that? Possibly, but I think Leverkusen will be too strong again in this one if I said playing both legs. And another reason I want them to win is that I've stuck a fiver in them to win the whole tournament at 14 to 1. So that's why I want them to win. <laughs> so there's money involved there. But I mean, Leverkusen will be disappointed after the weekend conceding two late goals to Mainz when they were pretty much cruising at one point. And I think. They're kind of run of fixtures as well. We obviously they finished so strongly against Stuttgart, putting five past them. Obviously, they were two them up at Mainz. Probably thought that game was done. And then Mainz came back. But looking at their other fixtures as well, like Augsburg, Freiburg coming up in their next two, that they were possibly in a place to, to kick back on again after going through a bit of a dip and kind of got a bit more strength and depth of their squad as well, like Fosu Mensah and Frimpong coming in. Obviously, they signed Arias in the summer to fulfil that right-back role, but he suffered an injury that I think is going to keep him out for the season, but seemed to have solved that issue now with, with two new right-backs coming in. So they're in a good place to rotate the squad and you don't really need to, you know, suspensions, injuries, they're going to creep in at this stage of the season. So I think they're in a good place to hopefully go far in the tournament. So, Colin, you've got a bit of information on Young Boys Bern, uh, more than your Norwegian knowledge. <laughs> You're more into your Swiss football. Can you tell us a bit about Young Boys Bern this season? Well, yeah, I'm a, a Swiss football expert. Uh, or I, I definitely am compared to, relatively speaking, compared to my Norwegian football knowledge. Uh, so, uh, Young Boys are flying at the top of the Swiss League. 16 points clear of Basel. I'm actually going to check that now because I'm not actually sure it's exactly 16 yeah. points, yeah. Like, which is a bit, a little bit embarrassing for an expert. Uh, it is 16. Let's just check that. It's 16 points. So I was correct. 16 points clear. So that really shows. I mean, Basel, Basel were a decent side as well, but they're still managing to. Uh, they're still that point, that gap between the sides. They look well in course for the league title this season. I think young boys in recent years have shown themselves to be quite a, a tough European opponent. Opponent, a few British sides have faced them. I know Rangers played them last season. And managed to beat uh, young boys. Managed to beat Rangers. So, I mean, Leverkusen are a different. They are a different matter. But uh, you can never trust Leverkusen, particularly when you look at the weekend when they managed to snatch a draw in the jaws of victory against Mainz. You'd make them favourites, but 
you're never fully confident because when you think Leverkusen are bang on form, that's quite often when they manage to disappoint you. So there is the potential for a shock, but I'd still make them favourites for it. Ronan, what do you think? They've, um, they've won the last three consecutive Swiss Super Leagues. Um, do you think they will cause a problem um, to Leverkusen or do you think that Leverkusen... I mean, sometimes it's hard to, to describe these games when we're not as much of a Swiss super, like expert as Colin clearly stated he was earlier. Speak you know, it's hard, to, <laughs> it's hard to... Um, it's hard to um, grasp how these games are going to go, but do you think Leverkusen might just have too much, especially some of the signings, like you said, coming in um, over the, the the January period? I think so, yeah. Obviously, when you compare both sides on paper, you'd have to say that Leverkusen have by far the stronger outfit, but these kind of teams are possibly a bit more kind of in the sort of unknown um but obviously they clearly pose a threat. They've came through the, the group stage, you know, only three points behind Roma. Um, but I mean our teams in the group were Cluj and CSK, Sofia are also not the you know most reputable of like highly rated kind of sides, but they've clearly got threats in in their team. Like Sylvan Hefty, the right back, is quite highly rated. He was originally at St. Gallen and now I think possibly getting that exposure playing for you know, the top team in the Swiss division and, you know, exposure in the Europa League can possibly work as a stepping stone for him to move to a club in probably, you know, one of your, the top five leagues. Yeah, so it's looking like um, you would hope the ERM clued up on the German game uh, that we would expect these both teams to go through the Europa League. Is that what we're thinking? Hoffenheim and Leverkusen both to progress? Yeah, I think so. Colin, can you see anything yeah, else? I think, um, point of view. I think I, I think I probably trust. I think I trust the Europa League sides more than the majority of the Champions League sides uh, in terms of Bundesliga. Uh, Bundesliga, I think they'd be particularly impressive in the Europa League, in the group stage. So, yeah, I think both of them will manage to overcome those ties. Fair enough. There we go. So I see your, your um, Champions League and Europa League previews for the round of 16 and round of 32 for each respective uh, competition. So that leaves us to go on to this week's quiz and I will be quiz master for this one. Try to bring some sort of um, Champions League Europe, European football twist to it. I'm not going to lie, it took me a long time to figure out how to, to figure this out, but I've got a quiz and we're going back to Colin, you were not there, so you won't remember this. But I'm sure you, I assume you listened. We're going to go back to when we um, had the this Vita Bundesliga crossover. Uh, we were guessing players from each line of their career, and I've picked a player from each of the six sides uh, involved in European competition. I'm not going to tell you which they are, but you'll eventually find out because I have to tell you uh, where they played. So what we'll do is we'll give um, both of them three each, three players. Uh, out of the six that I've chosen. Some are, I'd say some are quite easy, some are quite difficult. Uh, Who would like to go first, guys? It's your responsibility mm. to choose. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise that. I was trying to open it up and make it a bit more inviting um, the quiz this week. I'm going to choose you to go first then, <laughs> and I'm going to give you the hard one. <laughs> so we'll put you against each other. Um, if you if you guess, you get. we'll give you two guesses. 
because the players don't have the biggest, um, from what I've chosen, I think only two of them have got really big careers, which I might help you, might not help you. Um, so what we'll do is we'll split it, and Colin, you'll get to go first with the first player. So you get, remember, you've got two guesses or you lose a life. If you don't get, once you pass it on, it'll go to Ronan, then I'll go back to back to you until we get to the last one and you have to eventually guess. So, first one, this player started off his career in 2010, 2012, and in 2012, 2013, he played for Cannes, but the first two years, he played for Cannes Bayside. For the Bayside, he made 55 appearances, scoring four goals, and for the first team, 38 appearances and one goal. What's your knowledge on League 1? If that Cannes were even in League 1 during this time. Right, so... He's probably French. So if I if I guess if I guess and get it wrong, I get a point off. But if I pass it, I don't, mate. I, I'm still gonna guess I'm, I'm gonna go for a Taliso. No. Ronan. The next line. This one's quite a short one just to start us off with. The next line he plays for Lorient. Well, at 102 appearances and 10 goals between the years of 2013 and 2016. 102 appearances and 10 goals for Lorient. Hmm. For Lorient. You say that like you're thinking deeply about your Lorient knowledge. Which doesn't go very far. Fucking <laughs> playing orange. I'll, I'll pass. Shite bag move. So, Colin, what would you like to do? Would you like to hazard your second guess? Uh, so, oh, are you passing? He's he's uh, probably French. He played for. Yeah, you, you assumed that for the first one. <laughs> that was your only answer you got I'll for the pass. first one. You've not got any further. What are you doing? I'm passing. You're passing. passing. You might not have wanted to do that because it's the last line of his career now from 2016. This player joined Borussia Dortmund and has made 97 appearances, scored 18 goals. Ronan, would you like to hazard a guess to this player? Can Lorient and then Borussia Dortmund, where he's been for the last four years? Five years now. Hmm. Only French players I can think of are defenders. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> That's my, we might not get round to do all bloody six. Yeah, we stuck on one. Why can I only think of a centre back? The thing is, if I give you any clues, you're going to get the player. So, yeah. what you can do. If you don't get, if you either you don't get after this, you can you can use one of your guesses as a clue. So, Colin, you need to guess. You need to get your guess, or you're you're you've lost this one basically. Ronan, are you hazarding a guess? Or are you passing? I'm going to have to pressure you because we're running far too over the time on this first one. Hundred and give a time limit. Ninety-seven. I was going to say eighteen goals. Eighteen. See, that's a lot. And 97 appearances. Passwack? I don't know. It's not him. No. Go on. Got an idea. Right. 
Is it possible that Rafael Guerrero played? Well, done. Well done. <laughs> what a shout! Rafael Guerrero was actually born in France. I don't know where the Portuguese. So he... I think his dad's Portuguese, um, and I, I don't know if he ever lived in Portugal. But yes, um, Rafael Guerrero played for Cannes, and then went on to play for Lorient before going on to Dortmund, where he is at the moment. So well done, Colin. You get a point. Second one, you ready for number two? Um, I think as Colin won, he gets to start again. I think that's only fair. We'll just do it that way. Whoever wins gets to start. Um, Colin, 2009-2011, this player played for Bayer Leverkusen, but only played for the second team, and he made 36 appearances and scored five goals. Yes, I pass. As this is a longer one, you'll get three passes. Pass. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yep, Ronan. The next line of text that you'll get in 2010, he joined um, Greuterfurt on loan. He made one appearance for the first team and he made seven for the second team. <laughs> Leverkusen's two. Who first do it? What are we thinking? Pass. 2011, 2012, he made 35 appearances for Val FL Osnabrück, scoring two goals. Pass. 2012, um, he must have made a slight move during the season to Val FL Allen. He made three appearances, scored two goals. Fantastic um, for for him in this this club. Come on, come on, what what is this? Pass. Right, you may get it now. 2012, 2015, he played for RB Salzburg, Red Bull Salzburg. He made the move, 74 appearances and 18 goals. Go on. Until when? 2012, 2015. Right. 2015. Uh, I'm going to pass again. Oh. Ronan, 2015. So in January, he made a move to Borussia Dortmund, playing 14 times. Made 14 appearances. Salzburg to Dortmund. How many games and goals for him? 14 and zero. After 74 and 18 for Red Bull Salzburg. Anyone going to hazard a guess anytime soon? We're getting near the end. <laughs> 14 games. Yep. So I think he signed in January by saying he signed um, 2015. Going after Russia. Pass. Yeah, pass. His next move, uh, Colin, 2015-2017, he went on to play for Bayer Leverkusen. 53 appearances and four goals. Kevin Campbell. Dortmund, Leverkusen. Kevin Campbell. Yeah. Great shout. 
I thought someone might have got it from Leipz, um, Salzburg uh, to Dortmund, but that's 2-0 to Colin. Rodin, you're, you're falling away here. As it, we've done so far, Colin, you get to start the third one. From 2008-2011, he played for Austria Vien. He made eight appearances and two goals for the second team, and he made 66 appearances and one goal for the first team from 2009-2011. Valentino Lazaro. Nope. No, he's not that old. Lost a lost a life. <laughs> Ronan, he then moved on to Switzerland to play for FC Bau. Um, 2011-2013, 77 appearances and four goals. Ross Pierre to Bal and he's passed. Colin, 2013-2016, Dynamo Kiev, 66 appearances and zero goals. What years did he say? 2013-2016. Pass. This player moved from Dynamo Kiev to Bayer Leverkusen, but he still currently plays. From 2016, um, he played. He's moved to Bayer Leverkusen. He's made 56 appearances, scoring two goals, and he's got a loan spell in here. I won't give that away until, unless um, Ronan can get it. So Colin will get the loan spell if you don't guess um, this Ronan. So he's been at Leverkusen since 2016, made 56 appearances and scored two goals after his move from Kiev. Austria Vien, FC Baal, Dynamo Kiev, Leverkusen, where he currently plays. Uh, I'm going to go with the Austrian Leverkusen link of Dragovic. Well done. Who won? Leicester City was his lone move, of course, in 2017-18 season. So it's 2-1, all to play for. The next one you're definitely not going to get until the last one, and I know you aren't, but I thought it was quite a difficult one. Um, Ronan, you get you get the players are starting this off, and I'm sure you'll be glad you get to start this one off. This player played from 2013 to 2016 for Pardew AC. If you can tell me which country they play in, I'll give you the points. Italy? No, I'm not telling you the country because it tells you the player. <laughs> yeah, I've got a pass for now. Okay, sure. Colin. <laughs> He's moved to Belgium. <laughs> He's moved to Belgium um, to join Tony Watt at Lias. I'm assuming this is when Tony Watt was at Lias in 2014 to 15. Made 23 appearances and scored a goal. Pardo to Lias. Think of all your Pardo to Lias signings. Pass. He's passed again. Tony Watt would know this. Um. Ronan, he has you made said this was easy. Yeah, no, I've lied. <laughs> Ronan, he's made the move to France, where he has signed for Montpellier on loan again from Pardo. Um, he has made 22 appearances and two goals. Pass. You aren't really brushed up in your league in football, are you guys? Yeah, so God, 2016-2019, he's made the move to Rennes, Stade Rennes, 
for 79 appearances and one goal. 2016-2019. So that tells you he's a recent signing in the Bundesliga. From Stadrini. Amazing pass. Pass, right. So, Ronan, this is probably a chance to steal it because this is the last line. From 2019, he has made... Two th- tw- he's made 2000. <laughs> 2019, he's made 27 appearances and scored five goals for the Polen, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So, Tad Rennie to Borussia Mönchengladbach, 2019. One between two. Yeah, well, you can't say two because if you say the one that's wrong, then he'll get it. I think you need to hazard a guess now when it's the last one. See, the games and goals have threw me off because obviously the French. Ben Sabaini. Well done. Good shout. Pablo oh. is a team in Algeria. <laughs> For anyone who did not know this, um, never heard of them in my life. I think they must be quite popular though. Because of all the French leagues, I was going to say play or two round, but then yeah. 27 sure. games, five goals, it's sure not. So it's two each. So this player started his career in 2006-2007 for Haugesund, um, making 10 appearances and scoring no goals. Ronan. So we've guessed. Oh, he's thinking logically. He's going through all the teams. I did say at the start, I've chosen one from each team. And European competition this season. Nordvite, Hoffenheim Center. Fair play, well done. (laughs) (laughs) No chance. I was thinking Norwegian, as it who we got left. There's no Norwegian Bayern players. It can't be Erwin Howland. Well done. So, um, yes, he played for Hargazond. He then moved to Arsenal, but made no appearances, but made loan moves to Salamanca and Lillstrom and FC Nuremberg, who then moved on to Borussia Mönchengladbach in 2011, 2016, made 152 appearances at Bundy Fallen, ended up at West Ham 2016-17, and now plays for Hoffenheim after a 2019 loan spell to Fulham. He's been at Hoffenheim for 2017 and played 42 matches for the team in Sinsenheim. Well done, Ronan. What a comeback that is. It's 3-2. <laughs> Colin, if you don't get this one, you have lost and Ronan has beaten you in a quiz for the first time ever. Are you disappointed? I've not lost yet. Yeah, but you might lose. Ronan, you get to start. Not yet. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm really panicking if you get this one, uh, Ron, uh, Colin. Um, anyway, so, from 2007-2011, this player started his career with Hamburg Hasval, and he played 31 times for the second team, scored one goal, and he played 23 times for the first team, scored two goals, um, from 2007 to 2011. Ronan. See, I had a guess lined up in my head already for who it could have been, but it's not them. This is disappointing. Jerome Boateng. Incorrect. Colin, 
in 2009-2010, during this spell at Harrisval, he's made a loan move to FC Nuremberg for 25 appearances and 5 goals. Oh, I think he knows. Eric Maxim, Super Voting. Excellent. Colin has guessed that right. It was um, the the man with many, many moves. I mean, you would have got him once I got to Schalke, to be fair. So he's ended up at Mainz for 74 appearances, 20 goals. Schalke for three seasons, 82 appearances, 18 goals. Stoke City for 30 appearances, 5 goals. Paris Saint-Germain, 31 appearances, 6 goals. And currently a Bayern Munich player, striker who has not scored a goal yet. So, well done. Three. So, the tiebreaker. And what I'm going to do for the tiebreaker is I'm going to say the line. And if you've got a guess, you jump in. So, we're not going to go back and forward. So, you can jump in as soon as you know it, okay? So, this player started off at Hertha BSC 2010-2015. He made 23 appearances for the second team. And then he played 92 matches for the first team scoring two goals from 2010 to 2015, Hertha BSC. Anyone? Colin? Nah. No one? No. He's made the move from 2015 to 2017 um, to the other side of Germany, Borussia Mönchengladbach, 13 appearances and one goal. Nico Schultz. Well done. Colin, you have... Should have said that when you never heard the first time. (laughs) 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 well done Colin you have won the quiz yet again how do you feel after that because I wrote you off a long time ago well I seem to remember about 10 minutes ago you asked me if I was embarrassed so the answer is no no I am not embarrassed very proud Ronnie you disappointed with that one after the comeback you know you must be gutted Uh, well I mean I was fearing for the worst at 2-0 so I mean got Restore some pride and well, I didn't do what you did last week and got carried away and then Colin came back from the dead. So that's fair. That's a yeah. fair point. Yeah, you've 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 realised that Colin is seems to be unfortunately the quiz king so far on the German football podcast. Um, but another good result there for Colin. Well done. At least your team's doing you're doing better than your own team. Um, anyway, <laughs> we we this was our thing. Anyway, so um, hopefully we and you all enjoy the um the. Champions League and Europa League matches um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, someone's got to enjoy them just now. Well, we're not meant to technically be travelling countries, but at least these footballers are allowed to spot. Anyway, well, um, so we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll take a bit more look into the matches. Obviously, um, missed out the, the Serevia derby coming up the, next weekend. So we'll review that and see how Dortmund and Schalke both kind of lingering at the moment. That'll be an interesting one on the Riviera. Um, and the Ruhr region and um, also the Hamburg Derby will be coming up for the following week so we'll give a wee re- review into the Spider Bundesliga for that one but until then we'll see you later and Scotland have bounced back again here yet again